Welcome to the Speak Your Peace podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Ian McNaughton, and we are joined by special guest. You might know him on Twitter as Jay Fresh. Uh, it's Jack. Jack, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Not too bad. How about you? Good, thank you. Uh, if you don't know Jack, he's got a really cool Twitter page. Uh, he, he's got a Patreon. Uh, he's big with the advanced stats. He has some amazing graphics. I, I'll share the links later on. Um, so, Jack, for the people who might not know what it is that you do or are unfamiliar with your work, just take a moment to explain it. it is that you do. Yeah, so basically what I try to do is I try to essentially translate the sometimes very complicated and user-unfriendly world of hockey analytics for people who have a background that's a little more like mine, where maybe they didn't do so well at uh, in, in math class in high school and, and might be scared off by some of the more technical terms that you might hear used. So a lot of that comes down to, like you said, a lot of graphic design type stuff, maybe trying to present some of these stats in a way that's a little easier to understand. Uh, and then also some writing as well to try to maybe connect the dots a little bit more clearly between what the stats say and what you might actually see go on, on the ice. And how long have you been doing this now? Uh, about 10 months. Uh, actually, 10 months. It's, it's kind of a, a pure product of quarantine, uh, to be honest with you. I, I kind of started off uh, back in February with, with zero Twitter followers. Just uh, I, I had just kind of made this first visualization thing and had shared it among some friends, and they suggested that I try putting it out there on Twitter, and then everything kind of snowballed from there. So the, the trade deadline got some attention, and then with quarantine and, and all this kind of empty time, I think people were looking for anything that could satisfy their hockey needs, and, uh, and I guess a couple people liked what I was putting out there. And I was going to ask, yeah, what made you wanted to start like Jay Fresh or the analytical, you know, uh, Twitter page, the, the page? What made you want to do it? it? I mean, I didn't expect to get any attention from it. I, it really was just a matter of I was making these this stuff for myself and, and, and a couple friends. And uh, they just suggested that some other people might find some interest in it. So it, it really was a thing that kind of there was no big plan to it. It wasn't like a big entrepreneurial endeavor on my part it really was just you know I, I thought a couple dozen people might get a kick out of it and then obviously from there you know it, it's been whatever it is you know eight 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 and a half thousand people since then so clearly it's found an audience and i'm grateful for that but it's definitely not something i was expecting going in i, I would yeah you, you got i believe over 8500 twitter followers now uh but what what's the worst fan base that you have to deal with? If you could pick one, if there's one fan base that's worse than all of them, what would it be? Uh, it, it depends on the day, honestly. It depends <laughs> on what I've said that day. Uh, every fan base can have their can have their problems. Really, the ones that you kind of are the happiest with are just the the quiet ones, like the ones that don't, you know, that are are either not super well represented on Twitter or are just kind of have been beaten into submission by the performance of their teams and aren't going to get mad at you if you say something negative about one of their players. Uh, I, I have most often garnered the the fury of, I'd say, Oilers fans and Canucks fans, I think, are, are generally pretty unhappy with me. But I think if you look around, really, you could just pick any Canadian team and they've had some reason to take issue with me in the past couple of months. I was gonna say I'm a Red Wings fan. Uh, I, I love your work, but I don't want to bore people on this podcast talking about the Red Wings, so we won't go into them too much. Uh, but you, but you mentioned the Canucks and the Oilers, and there's quite a few Canuck people, Canuck fans who listen to this podcast. Uh, 
why do you think, and it could be for whatever reason, like why are people so down on the Canucks this year? It seems like there's a lot of prognosticators who either don't have them making the playoffs or are just falling short. Why is that? Uh, well, I think they, they lost a lot of players and, and they lost a lot of players who, you know, as recently as a couple months ago, uh, Canucks fans were calling to be, you know, MVP candidates. I mean, with, with Markstrom, I, I don't know how many times I heard from Canucks fans that Markstrom should be a Vesna front runner uh, or, or, you know, even the heart contender. Uh, and then suddenly they lose him and, uh, and uh, Canucks fans are getting annoyed at me for, for suggesting that that's going to have an impact. Uh, I, I just think overall there's pieces on the Canucks that are elite, uh, but their depth ranks among the worst in the league. And, and I think that that is indelibly going to have an effect, especially in a shortened season. So, I mean, I, as it stands right now, my projection does have them in the playoffs, but I will say it is within a Canadian division where the projected difference between the, uh, the sixth place team and the second place team is uh, three points. So really there's a, a lot of room for error there, as you might imagine. It, it's almost just a coin toss at this point as to what Canadian teams are going to go in. You could just throw a dart on a you know piece of paper and that's about as good as a projection. It seems like right now, um, is, is there a Canadian team that you're most excited to watch just in general this season? Like one that you're really looking forward to seeing hitting the ice when it starts at about a week today? Well, I mean, Toronto is the obvious pick just because they are kind of, I would say, just going in based on everything we know right now and past performance and healthy lineups and everything like that. Toronto is, I think, pretty clearly the cream of the crop in, in this division. And obviously, you know, Austin Matthews gets hurt. So that could all disappear overnight. Uh, in terms of teams that I'm excited to watch, I mean, I think probably it's the teams that are near to you know, the kind of that middle, like right on the fringe of the playoff spot. Like I think Vancouver is is going to be exciting to watch for at least 20 minutes a night. And you could probably say the same thing about the Oilers. Uh, you know, both of those teams, I think, have similar issues with being top heavy. Uh, but I think it, it's the defensive issues with them that make them so exciting to watch. Uh, Montreal, I think, is another one that I, I'm very interested to see just because I don't think any team in the league has as many wild cards going into this year in terms of things that could go very, very right or very, very wrong. Uh, and, and, and you know, I, you could really say the same about any team in that North Division. I, I think that it's going to be maybe the most fun division and contribute to what could be one of the most entertaining seasons that we've ever seen. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. You, you, touched, you touched on the Maple Leafs a little bit. Is it Stanley, Cusp, Stanley Cup or bust for the Maple Leafs this upcoming season with the Canadian division and all? Uh, it's at least solid run or bust. I, I think it's it's fair to argue that this is really the best position that the Leafs arguably will ever be in to make the conference finals, uh, just based on the teams that they're with and also kind of the guaranteed path within the division uh, to get things done. I mean, I in, in my projections, the Leafs aren't the second best team in the league, uh, but they are but they are ranked second in terms of their projected points just because of the, the strength or lack thereof of the, uh, the Canadian division. Uh, I, I think that when we talk about kind of cup windows and cup or bust or stuff like that, more often than not, we don't really, like when you talk about a team that has the cup window like this year or next year, I mean, you know, Tampa Bay obviously, I think, missed their supposed cup window by a couple of years. 
So did the Capitals. And you could even argue that the Penguins back-to-back cups happened theoretically after their window was supposed to come. So for all we know, the Leafs are going to win a Stanley Cup in like 2027. But (laughs) at the very least, they're in a very good position right now. And I think that everybody in that organization uh, has kind of a, like, please for the love of God, let's get it done this year thought. I'm very guilty of saying that the Caps were never going to win a cup. Uh, I, I think it was heading into the tw- like 2017-18 season where I just said, you know, that, yeah, they would if they were, were going to win, they would have done it already, and they haven't. And then they just won the very next season. So what do I know? Um, a really, a really interesting Central Division, including your projections, are, are quite tight for the Central. Who do you think yeah. is more likely to miss the playoffs in that division? Is it Nashville or Columbus? Uh so I actually, so right now, as it stands, my projection has both of those teams in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has Nashville slightly ahead of Columbus. Um, the the thing is, like the like the Canadian division, like it has like like the difference between Carolina, who I have projected second, and Dallas, who I have projected fifth, is three points. Like this, like it really is absurdly tight. Yeah. Um, I would say of those teams, I would be the least optimistic about Nashville, and and this is kind of where. You know, the projection that comes from the model that I trust isn't always going to be like, this is what my brain independently would have thought up in in terms of a projection. And I think Nashville over Dallas is an example of that, where the model is reacting very positively to, you know, having Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis at the top of the lineup. And and it's very high on on like UC Saros, for example. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I, I do have issues with, with Nashville, and I think while they have managed to plug some of the holes from last year, I think that a couple of their losses are maybe a little bit underrated, uh, especially uh, Craig Smith is a guy who I think they were underutilizing, and even with that in mind, he was still providing a lot for them. Uh, but so, so Nashville, I'd say I, I'm, I'm not too bullish on because Columbus is a team that I think is so well set up defensively and has such a strong system that even if things go really wonky in a shortened season, I would generally trust them to be able to hit the ground running uh, and, and sort things out. It's, it's amazing to see just how dominant like Toronto was, or Columbus was against Toronto in the return to play when we saw it back in about August. Like They just shut down a, 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 a top-heavy Maple Leafs team, and you hope that something like that can carry over into the next year, even, even with a, a wonky season like this one. Uh, but it should be, again, uh, an exciting central division, nevertheless, uh, regardless who's in and out. And we do have a few Penguin fans who listen to this pod as well, and they'll probably be interested to hear what your take is on the upcoming season for the Pittsburgh Penguins, if you have any thoughts on them. Yeah, so I, I'm a Penguins fan, so I'll try to let my uh, let my own bias be a little set aside. Uh, I, I am quite high on the penguins uh, and and the model is too so the model has them in third but like kind of neck and neck with the capitals uh, i would generally favor them being a little bit higher i think just because i think that people who are declaring the death of the penguins are ignoring two things uh the fact that the penguins were on pace for 102 points uh last season uh and and had a 99.9 percent chance of making the playoffs when the season shut down uh, and really, we're just kind of victims of a chaotic playoff format and hot goaltending. Uh, the other thing is just the the sheer amount of injuries that they had to deal with last season and the effect that that had on them. Uh, like, the, like this is a team that never had 
Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Zucker, Rust, Dumoulin, uh, etc., all together at the same time, uh, except for that tiny four-game sample in the playoffs. Uh, and and I think all that together, plus not having Jack Johnson on the roster anymore, bringing people down, uh, I think would make me very optimistic about at least where the top end of the Penguins lineup is heading. Uh, the island of misfit toys they have in the bottom six could turn out for them, or it could be a disaster, but at least they're cheap and can be uh, turned over if need be. So I'm pretty optimistic. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're optimistic. That's a, you know, some people don't have that, and optimism's way better than negativity. So you got that going for yourself. Um, was there a, a favorite, just in general, not Pittsburgh related, just just NHL related? Was there a favorite or a couple of favorite moves that occurred over the off season that you you really like and really looking forward to seeing this upcoming year? Yeah. Uh, so I already kind of touched on it a little bit, but I really love the the move that. Uh, Boston made to shore up their depth in getting Craig Smith. And that's one that I think is especially going to be paying off right away because he's going to be closer to the top of the lineup with the injuries that they have. Uh, Craig Smith is a guy who analytics, who analytics people have been super high on for a really long time, even though he's never really gotten a full chance in, uh, in Nashville. Uh, and, and a reason for that is that he really like, he just takes so many shots uh, but not in kind of a just throws them out from anywhere, but he he gets himself into areas where he can generate an insane number of chances. Uh, and and unlike some players who play like that, like you'll talk about your Gallagher's or your Tofolis or, or similar players, like those chances actually go into the net at a decent clip. Like he he's a solid finisher despite how much quantity he puts up. And and I think people are really underestimating the benefit that the Bruins are going to get from the fact that they added a twenty goal scorer. Uh, who is like who's who's done the twenty goal thing in like third and fourth line minutes uh, for super cheap? So I, I think that was kind of a, a no lose deal. Uh, and then I think uh, Devin or Devon Taves with uh, Colorado is also a big victory, and, and I'm excited that he's starting on that top pairing with Makar because uh, I think that's where he's best utilized, and then it will be exciting to see him really get a chance in a system that's basically built for his skill set to uh, to totally break out. That, yeah, that top pair of Makar and, and Taze just looks filthy as, as a top-line D pair. I, I'm really excited myself to see those guys together as well. Um, you, and for this next question, you might be able to go with Craig Smith as well, but is there, like, name one or two guys that you're looking to really, you know, have a big step forward this year in the shortened season with the extended off season for some, just yeah, two guys that you're really looking forward to having a, a, a major step or a progressive season. Uh, so, so one guy who actually got extended today, uh, 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 Oliver Bjorkstrand, I think is, is somebody that I've been kind of uh, really trying to uh, draw em- uh, attention towards in over the past uh, couple months. And, you know, maybe part of that has been me trying to get Columbus Blue Jackets fans back on my side. But, you know, he, he his combination of goal scoring and uh, an ability to drive play at both ends of the ice is, is really almost unique in the league uh, for a guy who really doesn't get any attention at all. Uh, and, and he's been kind of, you know, making do with maybe limited minutes and not too many power play opportunities. But I think the Jackets are at a point now, especially with Gus Nyquist out and, and Atkinson kind of declining pretty precipitously, uh, where they 
will essentially have no choice but to recognize Bjorkstrand as their top offensive winger. And hopefully that will lead to opportunities that will get him some major points and, and some recognition, especially if he gets to play potentially with a guy like Max Domi, who's one of the best passers in the league. Uh, I think that would be exciting to see him really break out. Uh, I, again, because I am a Red Wings fan, I, I just want to ask about the Red Wings briefly. Um, do, do you are they going to finish in last? Like, are they going to finish in last place, or is there any hope for the Red Wings possibly getting out of last place and maybe, maybe, maybe making a, a, a push for a playoff spot? Is there any hope for Red Wings fans this season? So I, I I am optimistic that I don't think that they are going to be the last place team in the league. I mean, obviously they could be, but I, I don't think they are um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one is that I don't think people, and I, I'm not sure whether this applies to Red Wings fans, uh, understand just how unlucky the Wings were last year. Like a lot of the time when you see these kind of historically poor seasons, like this Red Wings one or like that Colorado one from a couple of years ago, what you're seeing is a combination of horrible underlying numbers with, you know, like, like play driving, possession, shot share, and stuff like that with just awful puck luck. Uh, and that's what happened to the Red Wings, where obviously they got horrific goaltending, like historically bad goaltending from Jimmy Howard uh, that, that Jonathan Bernier wasn't able to fully make up for. Uh, and then also horrible shooting. Like, I think that, that the team maybe finished in percentage. Uh, and that kind of stuff like doesn't happen again. Like, like you can't, there's like a tiny bit of it that you can chalk up to, you know, the goalie was bad or the shooters weren't talented, but, but based on every study of shooting percentage and save percentage, like it's it like the Red Wings are going to shoot better this year and they're going to keep bucks out of their net better. When it comes to the stuff that's underlying, like the actual performance of the players, I think they did a real nice job this off season of getting rid of guys who were huge negatives on their team and replacing them with competent, cheap guys like Troy Stetcher or John Merrill or, or Bobby Ryan and, you know, guys like that who can actually play to a much better extent than Trevor Daly or Jonathan Harrison could, for example. Um, I think another benefit for them is that the Ottawa Senators did essentially the opposite. Like the Senators had a whole lot of spots in their lineup they had to fill because they lost good players over the course of last season like Dylan DeMello and Tyler Ennis and uh, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot and, and Anthony Duclair this summer. Uh, and, and essentially their job was to replace those guys with guys who could play uh, at least, you know, serviceably. And instead, I think with the exception of the Dadanov uh, acquisition, comprehensively they replaced them with bad players, like like negative players, guys like Alchenyuk or Watson or, or even Derek Stepan, who... And, and Gud Branson, who maybe they have okay reputations, but the, the results have been really poor in the past couple of years. And kind of one after another, they just were making these poor signings. Uh, so I have the I have the Senators as, as the lowest ranked team in the league. I have the Red Wings kind of tied in second place with LA for the second last. But, you know, I, I don't think Red Wings fans should get excited for the playoffs. But at the very they can count on some improvement from last year. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I kind of needed that today, so I, I thank you for that, Jack. Um, did it, just an interesting question. Uh, if advanced stats, advanced stats, like all of them got banned tomorrow, like we, you know, you weren't allowed to use any advanced stats, and it, you know, you had to go with the eye test or whatever, but you're allowed to keep one stat. Uh, what stat would that be for evaluating players that you want to keep? 
uh, am I allowed to pick like a like a model, for example? For sure, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, well, this might sound self-serving, but I'll I, I would take uh, uh, RAPM for sure, which is essentially a stat. Which I don't know how it would function in this universe, since it's it's kind of based on the kinds of stats that would theoretically disappear in this hypothetical. But sure. uh, it, it's essentially a stat that uh, through ridge regression. Again, the kind of fancy math stuff that I can't make heads or tails of, but fortunately, uh, my my partner Patrick Bacon understands enough to build a model on. Uh, accounts for kind of all of the things that you would expect to mess with uh, uh, teams like on ice kinds of numbers. So if you're talking about a player's, you know, their on ice share of of scoring chances or shots or goals or what have you. Uh, RAPM is a stat that filters out the impact of your teammates, uh, of the score of the game, of your zone start, of, of all this kind of stuff, uh, to basically try to estimate uh, what your individual impact was uh, on the ice uh, at, at both ends of the ice. And it can be applied to all these different types of stats from from goals to shots to even kind of on ice penalties like you can. It's a principle that can be applied really widely and I think really usefully. Um, and, and it's it's often the first thing that I will look at when I'm thinking when I'm analyzing a player obviously you want to have as many tools at your disposal as possible so so this hypothetical universe would be pretty unfortunate but that is where I'd like to start well I I, I hope it doesn't happen because the analytical you know the stats have a real I think importance in our game and you know if you know the more we can try and use numbers to apply to players I, I think we're doing a good job i think that's useful but I, it's always curious to know what stats you know people like yourself who lean heavily towards advanced dance advanced stats really like and really go to firsthand um just a final thing uh, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone looking to get involved in like player evaluation or what you do in terms of uh like evaluating hockey players what would that a piece of advice be to a, a person just getting started uh, so the, the biggest thing that I would recommend is to find your niche, uh, because everybody that I know who has found any sort of kind of online success, and, and I've been, I've been happy to see that a couple of kind of along the way, you know, from the start of me doing this stuff have actually managed to kind of carve themselves out a, a solid profile among hockey fans. I already mentioned Patrick, who really just started on Twitter just a couple of weeks ago and has already uh, managed to to really earn a lot of attention and support with with the strength of his analytical models. Uh, or or my friend uh, Dylan Griffin, who does uh, uh, Russian junior uh, scouting, uh, really kind of to an extent that nobody else is doing right now. You know, that that kind of stuff. If, if you go out there and you decide that your thing is going to be doing everything and then what you're essentially doing is, is just kind of what everyone else is doing uh you really aren't going to necessarily find yourself the level of attention that you want to kind of get the following that you need to to use as a launching off point for other stuff i mean i really have been flying by the seat of my pants here this is not kind of a deliberate endeavor for me to to get a bunch of attention and a bunch of readers and a bunch of subscribers and all that kind of stuff it really was just a matter of me being fortunate enough to to inadvertently find myself a niche that hadn't really been filled by anybody uh, and, and just kind of run with it and, and, and put in the work to really, you know, establish it. Um, so if you can 
if, if you're looking to be, you know, an online hockey guy that people listen to and, and whose stuff they read, uh, what you really want to do is whether it's, you know, covering a certain team in a specific way or a certain league or a certain type of stat or a certain type of visualization or, or whatever, the most important thing you can do is make sure that you are doing something that a million other people aren't doing and that you put in the work to be the best at it. Well, that's good to know. I, I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing that, Jack. Uh, this is Jay Fresh uh, Hockey. You can find him on Twitter. We'll share your links. Twitter. Uh, you subscribe to his Patreon. Uh, he's got a newsletter out. We'll, again, we'll share all the links to this on our Twitter. Uh, thank you very much, Jack, for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, follow Jack, uh, subscribe to the Patreon, and hopefully we can have him on again soon. So thank you very much, Jack. Thank you uh, to everyone for listening. And we'll be back again soon with another episode.